I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with regulatory attorney Nancy Perkins of the law firm Arnold and Porter. Nancy will be discussing potential privacy issues involving contact tracing applications and potential legislation that's being proposed. So Nancy, to start, Briefly, what are the contact tracing apps for COVID-19 meant to accomplish and how? For instance, are they meant to trace back where and with whom a COVID-19 infected individual might have had contact with another person listed as a contact on their smartphones? Are these applications based on GPS locations? What can you tell us? That is a good question because some of them where they could be designed in various ways. And we have seen that countries outside the United States have taken a pretty aggressive approach to what contact tracing apps can collect and use, including location information, which we're all familiar with if you have location on on your phone. And the phone will track where you are, and that can be picked up by the app developer. And in, for example, South Korea, they were going farther and having even tracing your um, credit card information, use of your credit card in particular places, and linking that up to get your location, whereby an entire enterprise where you were present could be notified after the fact. What's going on in the United States is something much more minimal. And I think what's emerging is, and particularly Google and Apple have gotten very far with their development of an app that wouldn't collect any location information at all. It would enable users of the app to essentially benefit from notification that another user of the app has contracted the virus. But that would happen not by any direct communication between them, but because the apps would essentially kind of have a bing when you get close enough to another person, so they pick up the presence of another device, really not another person in terms of an identifiable person, but a device that is has the app installed. And then what would happen is it's all very voluntary. It's voluntary to use the app in the first place, and then voluntary to report if you test positive. But I think most people who would bother to download it would also bother to report, as that is the whole point. And then what would happen is the, each person's app has the history of their contacts, and so a notification would be sent to each person who had had a substantial, and there, there's, some of these are, are kind of nuanced in terms of recording the length of contact and the relative proximity, but those who've had a certain length of contact and certain proximity would be notified that they had been close enough for a sufficient amount of time to merit notification that they'd have that proximity to someone who's contracted the virus. And then how that goes from there, it would be without any government intervention, it would be up to the individual to decide what to do with that information. I think that what's happening is the states are considering having some use of this in a way that's controlled by the states and whether there'll be, you know, you must quarantine for X number of days when you get this notification or you must notify others even if they didn't have, weren't using the app, um, things like that, that will be up to state legislation, I think. 
So, Nancy, with that all said, if someone gets notified that they were in the vicinity of someone that was COVID positive, they wouldn't necessarily know who that person was. And then in general, what are the top privacy concerns of these apps? You're right. They wouldn't know who it was. And they would just trust that the app had worked accurately such that they were, in fact, exposed and at some risk. The privacy concerns, I think, with the one I have described at Apple and Google have developed are actually quite low in that there isn't, particularly because there is not location information. I think that most of the concern that people have had is that they're, if it's tracking your actual location so that there can be a report of you were at X place and now we should notify other people who were at X place. That's different from proximity, which, of course, proximity only works insofar as other people are using the app. But the location information, I think, is of a concern to many from a privacy perspective. I mean, I think in general, people would like to keep private where they go in general. All of that, though, depends on what would be done with the information, who would have access to it what restrictions there would be on use of it if you were using location information. And indeed, the use of location information would make the database that much richer in terms of people who don't use the app because you could have a way of publicizing that there have been people in this location and so other people who didn't use the app would know they were in that place at that time. So there could be some value from it, but I think so far it looks like most of the reaction to location tracking in this country has been pretty negative because that seems to be the top privacy concern. So now, Nancy, I understand that there are at least three contact tracing bills being proposed in Congress, one by the Republicans, one by the Democrats, and one bipartisan bill. What do these bills have in common, and what are the main differences that stand out? Their commonality, I think the most important commonality is that each of them would require that there's opt-in affirmative consent to use the app. And so they are not, none of them are proposing either that it be mandatory or even that it be an opt-out thing where an app would be deployed to all phones and you would have to find a way of opting or you would have to know to opt out of its use. And that would be a potential way of doing it that would be more comprehensive because you opt in, you're going to get some people who don't opt in. But the, I think the thinking is that we, at least at this stage with the pandemic, that at least this is what Congress is looking at so far, and I haven't seen any bill that would do otherwise, that it would be an opt-in consent. The other commonality is they would leave enforcement to the Federal Trade Commission and also back up from the state attorneys general. They would differ a little bit on enforcement in that the Democratic bill and the bipartisan bill would permit a private right of action by an individual who felt that their privacy was violated. The Republican bill would not allow that. And another difference between the Republican and the other two is that the Republican bill would preempt state laws on the issue. So it would be the only law governing privacy and and contact tracing apps. And also the Democratic and the bipartisan bill prohibit the use of the information for discriminatory purposes. And I think that although you you might not think that there would be a lot you could discriminate 
in, I think people would consider the potential for inaccurate information serving as a discriminatory purpose or possibly in the employment context, extended layoffs or possibly things that would be, I think in the employment context, there's more of a fear about potential discrimination of particular types. There are other differences in terms of how they describe the information that's protected and the entities that are protected, but those are the main ones. As I say, I think the the most significant thing is that they would all require an opt-in. And so, Nancy, what actions are states taking when it comes to addressing potential contact tracing app privacy concerns? Any state action? There have been a few state proposals pending legislation. I don't think any have been enacted. California had one where if the state were to hire, this would be important because it was kind of a federal state, if the state hired an entity to provide contact tracing services, then that be like an app developer, couldn't do anything with the information that's collected or share it except to perform the specific services that the government hired it to do. Minnesota has a bill that would is, is basically targeted employer use of contact tracing apps, and there are a lot of employers who are either considering or using some form of contact tracing app. And so this, as I said earlier, I think this is an important area because there's some concern about requiring employees to use contact tracing apps and and the possibility of saying you're not going to be able to work unless you use one. And how are we going to balance that and whether that's that's an appropriate way of approaching the regulatory. So that that's what the Minnesota bill gets at. And New York has a bill that would be similar to the federal ones in requiring opt-in consent. Another thing that's common to all those bills is that they, the federal ones, is that they require privacy policies and notices to consumers to anyone who would be using the app in when they opt in to use it, so they'd be informed. So, Nancy, we've been speaking about privacy, but what about the security of these contact tracing apps? Any concerns there? For instance, are these apps potentially vectors for data breaches and compromises involving other consumer data? I think that's unlikely, given what's been proposed about what would be collected. I mean, the state laws that, that govern data security breaches and notifications of breaches and that define breaches and that, you know, regulate security are based on the understanding that only certain types of information can really be used to do harm. I mean, that's the, the sort of the scope of security other than proprietary information, which is not personal information. But generally, you know, it's if you have a social security number, if you have an account number, or if you have a password and a username that would get you into an account, those kinds of things are the things where you could really do a lot of harm from the security perspective. That's where hackers want to go, and these apps wouldn't collect that kind of data as a general matter. And so I think the security is probably, it, it, mostly what I'm talking about is not so much that you wouldn't want these things to function well and have good security for that purpose, but I don't think they'd be a temptation for hackers seeking personal information to exploit in one way or another because the information wouldn't have value in that regard. So Nancy, what's your privacy advice to individuals as well as the entities that use these contact tracing apps? Are there any do's and don'ts that they should be thinking about? I think individuals should think really hard about making sure they don't have a knee-jerk reaction to whether they would use this or not use this in light of this incredible pandemic that we're in. First of all, put it in that perspective, you know, so that if there's sort of a reflex reaction to, I don't opt into anything that would 
collect my personal information. If I have a choice, I'm never going to allow the, the collection of my personal information. That, that is some people's reaction. I think it's really important not to let that knee-jerk reaction carry the day here when this is of such significance and to really look very, very carefully at what the app would actually collect who would have access to the data, what it be used for. Those are, of course, extremely important things with any app that collects personal information. But as we know, a lot of people don't study privacy policies that carefully. But I think before refusing to use the app, I think it would be very important for individuals to really think about the limitations on use and disclosure here that would prevent it from being harmful to them and then the the value that it could give to to our population. Now, I'm making generalizations based on what might be a limited app if it collects location data. I think people are going to have, you know, they should also be checking that and, and use their own judgment. But I think very important not to, as I say, have a knee-jerk reaction and to read really carefully what the privacy policy says and what the terms of use say about what's actually going to happen to it. And then I think you may have been suggesting those who, I mean, for example, employers, I think it's a very tough choice for employers. It's particularly tough in terms of requiring employees to use these things. It's particularly tough in light of guidelines that are out there for employers having a safe workplace. And so is this a step that they need to take to have a safe workplace? PwC has been testing with its employees an app that is just notification within the workplace, and it's a little bit like the Apple and Google that I described where they sort of pings if you're close to people, but it also doesn't collect location, and it's only inside the workplace, so it's just monitoring proximity. It does have the potential for notifying individuals that they've had a, you know, a certain amount of proximity to others if one person reports that they've tested positive. So I think employers need to think hard about how they approach employees about it, and if it's going to be a concern consensual thing of the use of it. It has to be really consensual. There can't be sort of arm twisting about it in the workplace to prevent unfair discrimination, etc. Thanks, Nancy. I've been speaking to attorney Nancy Perkins. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.